Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is a podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to 66866. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say, hey, you can contact us at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys. So um, I jumped on last week. I did a little mini show where I told you guys that I was going to do a training for... Um, recent graduates with your MSW or mental health professionals and um, yeah we're not doing that this week (laughs) Um, this week is the true definition of man plans and God laughs there are fires burning all over the globe right now there are riots in the streets Uh, people are protesting police brutality and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with all the shits um, first things first let me get some things out of the way I announced a week ago maybe two weeks ago that I am running for NASW vice president here in New York State and the reason that I'm doing so is to be able to affect change within the social work um, community here in New York New York State has been hit very hard from COVID-19 pandemic and social workers are going to be asked to rebuild all of this shit, right? And so um, I hope that you vote. There's one more week left to to do the voting. It'd be nice to win, but um, I'm making a commitment to do what I can where I am. And part of that for me is going to be to 
call out racism when I see it, where I see it, how I see fit. <laughs> um, I did a wonderful uh, decompression session this evening with uh, Lisa Savage. She's been on the show. You should listen to her, her past episode as well as Kim Knight. They have a group online called Clinicians of Color and we gathered there tonight to just kind of talk about moving the conversation forward of how we as social workers and we as clinicians could number one get our minds right for the week to be able to prepare for holding space for other people's problems when we are in pain and we are suffering and number two to have a conversation of how we can support one another and number three to come together with at least cohesive plans on like a course of action for how we will you know activate the social justice warrior part of the social work um identity that we that we have so usually I'm not in a lot of groups where there are white clinicians and I will tell you why um Number one, I try to protect my peace and protect the space for the white people that I invite into my sanctity. I grew up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. It is a notoriously, um, ow, notorious, like B.I.G., how? Um, <laughs> it's a notoriously uh, black community. It was an enclave. People know that it is home to Biggie and Jay-Z, but it's also home to Lena Horne and Stephanie Mills. So like we, we, we got classic joints and I grew up in an environment where everything around me was black. I was taught black history. Someone made a little, like a meme on the internet tonight that stated, um, what's one song you shouldn't have sung when you were younger, but you didn't know better. Right. And of course we thinking I'm like humping around or like bump and grind, but the person put, uh, the national anthem and I was like, damn but I never sung the national anthem in school when I was in school we sung lift every voice and sing like that's the song that I, I sung because I went to an all-black school with a black principal and a black um black vice principal and the majority of my teachers were black we were taught black history my minister was black like I really didn't know white people except for like when I would go to work with my mother like my mother worked for one of the largest she's worked for the largest law firms all over the country but my mother worked for one of the largest law firms um in, in the country <laughs> but in their new york division so i remember being nine going to their like um christmas party and eating caviar when i was nine years old uh never really developed a taste for it but anyway well that's not true because i'm not it's a whole nother I'm getting off the stop topic. I'm getting off the subject. First of all, let me say this is the best that I've felt all day. It's the most energy that I've had all day. Um, I've been down. I've been sad. I've been weary. I've wanted to cry for like the past four days, but have not had number one enough emotional energy to expense to push tears out of my eyes. And number two, I'm so numb with the feeling of like what the suffering that we're going through and the constant, constant barrage of like pain porn and seeing the video, I tried every single thing that I could do 
to avoid the news when it was Breonna Taylor, when it was Ahmaud Arbery, when it was um, George Floyd. And every single time I saw it on the news, I would turn from it. But I feel like now I have some energy. Number one, we're doing the show. Shout out to you guys listening. Um, And number two, I have to prepare for my work week. And no matter usually what's going on in my own personal life, when I have to deal with my clients, I turn on. No matter whether I'm sick, no matter whether I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just the black woman in me, if it's the mother in me. You know, black people just be like, I got to push that those thoughts to the side. I got to push those feelings to the side. I got to put the, those emotions in this box right now and go to work. So all of a sudden, it's, it's time for me to do this show and I have this energy now. That said, I recorded a show tonight already and it was so horrible because I was so in my feelings and discombobulated that I really couldn't even like get out my thoughts. So I just was like, let me just get a sandwich or and like process what I want to process that said I create spaces for the white people in my life who I allow to have access to my gifts and allow to have access to my essence in my private practice I went into private practice to create spaces for people of color not because I don't like white people but because I know that there are not enough clinicians that service black people and um, Hispanic people exclusively. I know that by the time a client has come to me, if I am not their first therapist, which I hear a lot from a lot of my clients nowadays, that I, the two things that I hear the most is I was, number one, I was looking for a black therapist. And so I asked for that and they they gave me you specifically. Or number two, I have never been in therapy before. Or the bonus is I, I went to a white therapist before and I just feel like they didn't get it. And so right now, because of the way my business is, I'll say I'm probably 60, 40 black clients to white clients um i'll say of the white clients majority of them or like a large percentage of them are lgbtq which is fine um but it's easier for me to create spaces for marginalized clients and give them my talents, gifts, and abilities than it is sometimes for me to create space for clients who don't look like me and culturally are unaware of like the injustice that's going on in this country. But to be honest with you, sometimes to work with those clients is a respite from me thinking about these things. So I know as I prepare for my week, there are going to be some some black clients who are going to want to talk about this and how they're feeling. And there are going to be some black ther- clients who don't want to talk about what's going on in the country at all. And I'm fine with either, either approach, right? There are going to be some white clients who want to talk about it or only want to talk about it. And I'll create spaces for them. And then there'll be some white clients who don't want to talk about it at all. And I'm fine with either, right? 
therapy when someone comes to me for therapy is not about me that said I have seen some horrific shit in these groups that I am in where black therapists are being seeked out and it's happened to me before for by white people to co-sign their ignorant bullshit for example I'm in one of one of these groups online and um, these are support groups of therapists of color and one woman came in there well, actually it was two posts but one woman came in there and she said hold on I'm gonna read it because I don't I don't want to misquote anybody if I could find it um So I was looking for the post that I saw. Um, one of them, um, I couldn't find it. One of them basically stated that they were on a teleconference with a client. I'm assuming this is a new client. And the client bust out in tears um, once she saw that the clinician was black. And she basically said that, you know, I don't want to bother you with my white woman problems when, you know, I'm privileged and there's so much going on in the black community. And the clinician didn't know how to respond to that. Um, I'm probably going to hear some of that tomorrow at work. And it's challenging but it's a challenge that I think that I would be able to face if the client proceeded like that so I think I I mentioned this other like a few weeks ago I had a white client (laughs) um recently who was referred by her employee assistance program to come and see me she had some free sessions and this is happening to me a lot more recently what I guess what she did was go to my website And on my website, hello, I advertise that I create spaces for people of color. Now, my website is the NikitaBanks.com site, the Proactive Mental Wellness site. I don't even know what's on that site anymore. I'm behind in, I was redesigning the site and then I got distracted as is my life. And so I don't even think there's anything on the Proactive Mental Wellness site. So most people just go to the NikitaBanks.com site. That site has everything on it. My coaching, my books, my speaking. It's just my site to bookmark for me when I'm famous. Holla, just playing. But, um, you know, so what happened was the client went to that site and she called me and was like, hey, the, the employee assistance program, um, maybe she shot me an email, whatever. She contacted me and she was like, the EAP program sent me to you but I see from your website that you hold spaces for women of color and I you know I'm wondering if you still want to see me I've looked over your stuff you know I I think that it may be a good fit but I don't want to take up a space that's intended for a black woman and I appreciated the fact that she she knew that these are this is you know the my intention for that space right but i also told her i create i cultivated a space for women of color but that doesn't mean that it's only exclusive for women of color 
but the fact that you you know are aware of your privilege and the fact that you know that coming to me may uh, may take a space away from you know a person of color who wants to work with me i'm allowed to create more spaces for people of color don't don't think that if i take you on i'm turning down any black people that want to come to me that's not what's happening i'm gonna just see them after hours i'm gonna extend my hours i'm gonna open up an extra day um to to see them and accommodate them because i know they probably have a better need i didn't say all of this but this is what i'm saying i have a they have a better need for me to um extend my flexibility to deal with them as i see fit but i also would appreciate working with somebody who understands that this space is cultivated for women of color right it's like essence white women can buy essence magazine but you know essence magazine is written for us for us by us right i mean now since we own it but i don't want to get into politics BET, you could watch BET if you like. You could listen to rap music, but we're not creating it specifically for you, right? So there's those kinds of people that I'm, I don't have a problem with seeing tomorrow and kind of talking about their problems, culturally irrelevant problems to me. But um, that's what I do. You know what I mean? I don't have to be connected in some sort of way to their therapeutic situation. I just need to be present. Right? I say this all the time as a black clinician, even being culturally competent to other black people, not to insert myself into their stories. Their story is theirs. All I do is hold space for them. I'm a tour guide. But it's their house. Right? It's literally like being a, not a tour guide. What's what's the people that, I'm a, like a real estate agent. Like, I will know how to come in and like judge up your house, but it's your house. This is where you live. You would know if there's an extra crawl space. You will know if there's termites in the, in the basement. I don't know any of that stuff until we start talking. And so I don't go into any situation thinking that I'm the authority and trying to insert myself into anybody else's story. So I don't have a problem creating space for them. But then there are those clients um, where in one of my groups, and I can't find it, so I'm going to paraphrase, basically there was a white man who decided to speak to his black clinician and explain to her that being white and having white skin made him superior than blacks. And I'm not sure if... I think, again, it's telehealth. So maybe she put on her Caucasian voice, her good work voice. And he didn't know that she was black. But he just started going on and on and on with that. And then um, she identified herself as a black woman. And he made the comment, and this is a quote, which is challenge accepted. And I'm going to tell you how this is going to go in order for therapy to be acceptable to me. And then he started to dictate to her. And then she was just like, she was emotionally exhausted. And I was like, girl, refer him out. Like my actual quote was get rid of his ass. But, you know, that's not wasn't professional enough for the people. But refer him out. There are plenty of white therapists that would work to him, work with him and work to his advantage of whatever he viewer he has of the world. 
you don't have to create spaces for that. I'm not going to create spaces for racist. And so I was on the chat later with um with the with the women of clinicians of color and there was a guy on there who was basically telling us that when you speak to racists online in these groups where there are therapists speak to them in love and I was like um no thank you like I don't have time to be be picking my words with racists I don't have time to be pussyfooting around with racists I don't have, to have time to be talking nice to people just be, and and they're and while they're being racist no because the fact of the matter is and you, I've done these shows on on these topics right we've had instances where therapists have made comments about black therapists not being as smart as white therapists not being as trained as white therapists not being as competent as white therapists right a friend I went to NYU with made a comment that displayed her bias and I checked her ass on it and now we're no longer friends. I'm pretty sure she's still a therapist. I'm pretty sure she's in private practices. She's she's seeing people. I hope she's not damaging any people of color, but I don't play that kind of mess. I don't play that kind of mess. So if I'm in a professional work environment where there are social workers who make dollars, dimes, and pennies off of the pain and suffering of poverty, the the um, expressions of racism, institutionalized, structural. They benefit from all of this. This is how they feed their babies. The last thing I'm going to do is not call out bias or call out racial injustice when I see it happening amongst us right because here's the thing as a therapist i'm strong enough and i'm i'm with the shits so i will call you out and i will check your ass and i will call the board and i will file complaints against you and i'm going to fight for the black clients that have to endure your shit and if you will do it to me as a professional you will do it to your clients and I have zero tolerance for that because what happens is, is me as a therapist, these clients are coming to me after they've already been damaged by a clinician that is not culturally competent, that's not culturally comp- culturally responsive, that's culturally ignorant, that doesn't care about their problems, that only wants to fill their billable hours, it doesn't care about our issues. That is not anti-racist. That is in fact anti-black. And they're damaging us. So by the time they come to me, they've lost trust. And it adds to the stigma. And it adds to them being bad. I was literally in, in a group. And one of the clinicians in the group asked, what does it mean when a white male therapist says that you're difficult what the what's happening what's happening so somebody tagged me on on instagram and i'm going to share it on my page um 
I don't know. Whenever the hell I get back on on the internet, I'm gonna have clients all day tomorrow. So if you see me twitting or IGing, just know I'm in between sessions and I probably should be doing notes or something. But um, I don't know if it's Tinnick T I N N I E K from Toronto, Ontario. Nine questions to ask your new therapist if you're black, right? Number one, do you approach therapy from an anti-oppressive framework? Number two, how do you think my or your cultural background will influence my treatment journey? Number three, have you treated other black, it says Canadian, but I'll say black Americans, African-American people? Number four, how have you trained in cultural competence, specifically in terms of black mental health? Number five, what are some things you've learned from experience that distinguishes the black mental health landscape of Canada slash America from other cultural contexts? Number six, my religious slash spiritual beliefs are blank. How will this inform my treatment journey? Number seven, how does your ideal, ooh, what does your ideal patient look like? They're not going to be honest about that. I'm going to tell you. Number eight, what are your personal strengths and weaknesses as a therapist? What kind of situations do you find the most challenging? Number nine, have you ever been in therapy and have your, have you ever had negative experiences in therapy? Um, Okay. Um, the post says if the answers to any of these are lukewarm, number one, I have black patients. Uh, I think our differences don't matter. We'll find a way. Don't waste your time. You deserve comp- competent care. Also, if they say I don't see color, put your skates on and blow. Um, some of the things that I would add to that is I would ask them, when is the last time that you've had any bias training? Period. Number two, what training do you have about epigenetics and trauma as it relates to um, intergenerational trauma and race? Uh, Number three, what anti-oppression therapeutic methods do you use? Number four, how are you, um, I'm making these up on the fly, but how are you active in anti-racism and oppression movements? And if have you had any recent trainings? As I told you guys, I am running for NASW vice president here in New York State. And part of what I what I want to do in that is to be able to advocate for mandated bias trainings. And I want to make sure that it's part of a mandatory curriculum. And I want to make sure that racial justice trainings are part of a licensed renewal we got to make sure that these therapists 
are examining their internal bias. Part of what they need to be doing is having a training for supervision that allows them to explore their internal bias and be checked on it, on their microaggressions, on their aggression aggressions, and on things that they say. I think that this also has to be done at the collegiate level and it has to be mandatory. Uh, When I graduated from NYU Silver in 2013, having anti-racism and impression classes outside of drop, which was a disaster because the white girl said the N-word, but having um, um, anti-racism classes that were more intensive and were really good was electives. And we need to change that. I get that most people who go to social work school now are trying to go into private practice. Hello, here I am in private practice. But I think we need to make sure that while you are working your way up to private practice, when you are in these agencies that service marginalized clients, when you are in these positions that service clients who are in the LGBTQ community who who happen to also be black or are dealing with other intersectionalities of poverty and oppression and race. And you are working with people that you really don't identify with and you really can't understand and you really don't know what to do. You need the most training. Because before we get to the point where we can decide who we can and will work with, we got to work with people that we don't like. The reason that I'm in private practice right now is because I get to choose which clients I work with and which clients I don't. And if you've heard my uh, my therapy session or the the how I ended up becoming a therapist with my own therapist, the first thing that I told you was I sat in his his chair and <laughs> he looked at me dead in my face and he's he's a, a older white guy who's Jewish and he said um, not everybody gets to stay here people get to sit here you don't get to stay here I get to choose who I work with and I'm going to see if I like you or not and if I can help you and, and he said the thing that I will promise you is that if I don't think I can help you I'm going to find you somebody who I think will be a good fit for you it's the best thing to say the best thing to say so in one of my groups, I was asked, you see how I'm just like, I was asked. No, and did nobody ask Nikita nothing. But in one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook, uh, a white clinician asked the question of how clinicians were creating space for people of color this week. And I thought it was a courageous question. Did I say clinicians of color? I meant white clinicians. How white clinicians were making space for people of color this week. And I thought it was a courageous question. I thought it needed to be answered. There were a lot of answers on it. But I'm going to just read my response to it. And then I will expound on it. Um. My response was, I'm asking all the white clinicians in this group to make this a better world for black people to feel safe in. Explore your bias, get supervision, not just for general stuff, but also for anti-racist practices to implement in in your workspaces. And examine your own microaggressions. 
refer out when you can't allow clients of color to have their own stories without inserting your own narratives in them. Seek out training yearly around racial justice issues. Call out your colleagues, your friends, your family members when they say racist stuff, microaggressions, and display bias. Actively stand with us against racism. Never question our perspective on it. Your clients of color will not feel safe with you right now, and that is okay. It is not about you. But it is your responsibility to make it safe make it a safe space for them and it is okay if they want to be referred out again it is not about you just as it will be emotionally taxing on me as a therapist of color this week to create space for my clients who are white work goes on call out the silence of other mental health professionals who earn their living on poverty suffering and trauma caused by internalized racism we are not okay Black people are not okay. Marginalized Americans are not okay. Poor people are not okay. Um, of course, because there's always one. <laughs> A white man commented this. I'm reminding everyone that European Americans can feel traumatized by these events also. And that just because someone is Caucasian, it doesn't mean that they're racist. So, here go militant midgen again. I said, I will not let this comment stand. This is why black people do not feel safe with you. This is why black people feel dismissed by you. And some of you don't need to be therapists who serve other people. You feel the need to basically say, what about white people right now? Now is not the time for that. The question addresses your role as a therapist who serves black people. There is no need to insert yourself and your pain in that narrative. It's exactly what I was talking about. And you need training. I would also challenge other white clinicians to make these groups safe for clinicians of color. Too many times we do not feel safe because of comments like this. And now is not the time. I usually don't even engage. I'm usually not even like in these groups. I, 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 I like I listen. Life is too short for me to be in groups. And educating white folks. I'm not doing the heavy lifting for you. There's a whole system that is in place to to maintain white ignorance. Because if white people are ignorant of their privilege, if they are ignorant of oppression, if they are ignorant about slavery, if they are ignorant about the history of this country and how it is paid for and the blood, sweat, tears, and pain of people of color, natives, and blacks. If y'all want to stay that way to excuse what is done on your behalf. I, I don't have that. I, I don't. Nope. I ain't got it. I ain't got it. I ain't got it. I'm not gonna get it. I'm. I'm not gonna do it. However, if I win this election, I will gladly be in everybody's face because I will not only have the strength, I will have the power, and I will have the numbers behind me. 
to fight this fight. Clinicians of color out there, I would implore you to do whatever you need to do this week, in the next weeks, in the next coming weeks, in the next year, in the next month, to practice self-care. This weekend, I unplugged. Number one, I was all hormonal and stuff. (laughs) Number two, my brain wasn't working. I had to kind of shut down. I couldn't watch the news. They they were burning stuff and was marches on my block. Not so much where I live because I live in almost a white neighborhood now. I'm not all that happy about that, but it's nice over here. I live in a, a, a in a neighborhood that's mostly white, um, but not that far from me. Right up the same street, I'll say maybe 15, 20 blocks, there was a lot of protests, and where I was, I used to live, there were Molotov cocktails thrown, and uh, listen, I had to just thank God that I could turn the TV off and like zone out for a little while. I actually went outside for the first time in three months, and like did a, a, a outing outside I don't go outside I haven't been outside <laughs> I haven't been outside I haven't been outside in in a while um I go to the grocery store I walk my dog I go to the post office I come home like that's my life right now because there's still a freaking pandemic happening but I want to address that too. There are a lot of black men who are making these stupid ass memes like, oh, I guess COVID-19 doesn't exist anymore because people are outside and they're not social distancing. Why? Because people want to protest. Listen, if I'm going to die because of COVID-19 or I'm going to die because of police brutality, I'm going to pick my poison. And to the people who are like, oh, you can't riot and you can't, you, you, you shouldn't burn stuff and you shouldn't loot. Like, I'm not happy that that's happening, but, um, Boston Tea Party? Like, the, in the history of this country, there have been riots. And some for no reason. Tulsa, riots, Rosewood. They burnt down our communities all the damn time. Central Park, white woman. Oh my God. I'm, oh, the, the black man is after me. In Central Park, Central Park used to be Seneca Village. It was a black-owned village, and they took it for Central Park. So listen, this is this is who we are, and this is what we've taught, and we didn't make this world. This is an extension of it. And to my white listeners who are listening, I need you to hear me very well. You benefit from racism. You benefit from oppression. You didn't make this world, but you benefit from it. I've said this several times before. Um, a white colleague of mine, Robin, told me that there's a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is I did something, I must be bad. Shame is I, I, I'm connected to something, I feel bad. Get rid of the shame. Let the shame fuel you. You don't have to be ashamed that you're white. I, my 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 intern love her dearly, but she's like, "Oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm white." I'm like, "Why you're white? <laughs> like, I'm not sorry you're white. I'm not sorry I'm black. This is what it is. This is what it is." And I want to shout out a friend of mine, Kitty Bradshaw, because she made a, a good point 
today on um, Facebook. I'm not using the term ally anymore because I'm not giving anybody biscuits or awards for doing the shit that they need to be. Just be decent fucking human beings. And don't tolerate the suffering of anyone. I, I've been seeing white people say, oh my God, because only, only black people get killed by the police. No, stupid. White people get killed by the police more. But you know why? Because they're more white people. And usually they've done something or usually they're, they're guilty. Or usually they're being arrested. But they're not being harassed for no reasons. And they're not being harassed in the same numbers. And... You only mention it when we're protesting about black people. So clearly you don't care about white people getting killed by the cops. So why are we bringing it up now? What about, about, about black on black violence? Yes, let's let's start a march. Oh, you're only bringing it up now? Why? Why? All lives matter, but you wanted to go outside and kill old people when COVID-19 was only killing old people and blacks? Shut up. Shut up. The clinicians that are out there, um, here are some causes of action that you can do if you want to be in the fight but not be in the streets. Number one, whatever your board is, whether you're at LPC, whether you're at LMHC, whether you're a counselor, um, whether you're at LCSW, join your boards, NASW, ASWB, um, Black Association, National Black Association of Social Workers. I'm not a member, but I'm, I'm committed to joining as well. And try to do what you need to do to push legislation forward to reform police. Everybody who's listening, you can find out who your state representative is. And I'm thinking about drafting a letter or drafting some sort of policy that we want our legislators to enact that stops these police officers from being able to do this stuff without any kind of oversight. Now, I know there's a state situation. It's not a national situation, but find out who your local your local organizations are. I'm going to share a book when I remember what the name of it is. <laughs> in one of my classes um, in, in undergrad, well, in graduate school, I had to write a letter to uh, affect change in policy with one of my local legislators. And I got it. They wrote me back and it became policy. So, I mean, there are, there are books that teach you how to do that. Think about starting a grassroots organization. Think about creating a support group for the people that you know that are around you that are just not okay check in on your friends right if you can't do nothing else just check in on your friends um if you need some resources to figure out how to support your friends and family throughout this time mentally send me an email blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com i will connect you with whomever i i can to connect you um, also, I'm doing an event this week with, um, well, I don't want to announce it until it's happened, but just keep an eye out on my social media because I'm doing a, a live free training about this this week. For the social workers, again, contact your alumni groups in your schools. I was already going to get into in um, NYU and Columbia's ants about passing some policies 
around making bias trainings um, mandatory and making the, the course electives, not electives, but making the courses required that you take anti-racism classes. But before I get to send them an email, they sent me an email with all the stuff they're doing and they're having a bunch of meetings this week and I'm going to make sure that I put some time in my schedule to attend most of them so that my voice can be heard. Um, I don't know, man, if y'all want to meet up online or if you want me to do a live so that we can have a larger discussion about how we organize and utilize our talent, skills, and abilities to service the community right now because they are hurting, please let me know. If you're a clinician of color and you are listening to me and you want to organize around this, make sure you send me an email. Don't send it to Black Therapist Podcast. Well, you can send it there. All of my emails for it, but make sure that you put in the subject line clinician of color or a black clinician. Matter of fact, put black therapist in the um the subject line and just let me know that you want to meet and organize and I'll do what I can to create some some time this week to 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 meet with people who actually want to make change. And even if you're not a clinician, if you want to meet to have some ideas or talk about ways that we can organize and things that we can do in the community to stop this peacefully. Um, not peacefully if y'all want to. <laughs> but to just have some conversations around best ways that we as a community could, could move forward and, and keep this momentum going. Vote. Every single election, what you can also do right now is make sure that you register to vote. Make sure that you have filled out the census. And yeah, that's that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to make sure that all of my friends are registered to vote. And if you are a member of NASW New York State, vote for me because I'm going to show my behind <laughs> if I win. There's so much that I want to do. There's so much that needs to be done. And that doesn't mean that my opponent is not a, a, she's not a bad person. She just ain't me. She ain't me. Okay, um, I didn't plan on talking this long. I'm not editing out the ums and the ahs and the pauses. It, it is what it is. It's very late in the nighttime, and I just want to get you guys this show. Also, please, students, be on the lookout for the live training that I'm going to do around starting your career in social work for mental health professionals as well as the show. I'm probably going to record the show hopefully this week or next week but with I mean with the rate of the world right now I mean I don't know what chapter we are in the book of revelations but it just seems like all hell is breaking loose every single week so I I don't want to make another promise that I'm I'm not going to keep but um I just want you guys to, to be well be blessed do what you need to do to manage your self-care in this moment breathe deeply I was having a really hard time just breathing earlier it felt like somebody was sitting on my chest and it wasn't COVID or asthma which I had it wasn't any respiratory issues that's really what happens to me when I, I get emotionally exhausted and I get really weary and so I've had to really breathe deeply today since probably the first this is the most energy I've had all day um because I've been like Gassing myself up to do like normal stuff like laundry and cook dinner, <clears throat> wash my hair. I cut my hair today and I cut it uneven because who cares? 
at this point. <laughs> Who cares at this point? Ah. Uh, guys, if you are religious, if you have any spiritual practices, if you believe in the universe, try to take some time to connect with your higher power. Be present and connect with self this week and check in with yourself. Feel your feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be whatever you are in the moment. You don't have to make an excuse about it. Um, and I did a I did a recent training at Amazon a few weeks ago, and one of the things that happened when we did our recap is that one of the people who worked at Amazon she said that after a bunch of things happened racially around the country she called in black and it was the first time I had ever heard that but I think that this would be a really good time to decide that we want to call in black I, I know that for me I have some days off coming I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to take them because it's, it's necessary for me to Reset. I feel like part of the COVID-19 thing was just resetting and being present and, you know, being emotionally exclusive on who you gave your energy and gave access to. I think that this this thing boiling over us is, is something else. I don't know what the, the world or the universe is trying to to tell us, but my ancestors have been chatting to me like a tuning fork. And I'm vibrating and I don't know what it is. But I want, I'm going to stay prayed up. I'm going to stay prayed up. I'm going to stay prayed up. And I'm going to try to stay present. So I want you guys to still be safe. Because the truth of the matter is COVID-19 is a real thing. And people are getting sick. I've lost way too many friends. And with all of these damn protests, who the hell knows what's going to happen within the next five to six days two weeks which is the incubation period I just want everybody to be safe but we are we are we we are not okay we are not okay and I'm okay with not being okay right now because we are collectively going through labor pains and I hope this ain't an ugly baby like I like I hope it has all its its fingers and toes. Whatever whatever this nation is birthing right now, whatever these labor pains, the suffering that we're going through, I hope it comes out being cute. Okay? You guys stay blessed, be active, be present, and be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website, Black Therapist 
thisisthepodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to send us any general feedback, show suggestions, uh, show topics, or guest ideas, please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Be well.